What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Obviously coming off of an exciting, exciting weekend of NFL football. Um, Going to state the obvious in a little bit of the main and number one sole reason why the games on Sunday were more entertaining than the games on Friday. Uh, but the first um, thing I want to address today, you got to understand that there are a lot of reasons for people to bitch and complain. And it's going to happen regardless. I don't think there's any way it's ever going to stop. You know, we sit here and we try to say, hey, it was a great game, but... And many of those are going to go out there, bitch, and complain, and whine, and cry. Usually about the officials. So I can actually give the fans credit for not bitching and complaining about the officials for a change. Um, the big thing now is, I, let's, um, I don't know anything about football. It's not my uh, expertise. But I have devised a great plan of how the NFL should handle its overtime. Stop. Now, the game is, is set on the same playing field for both teams. You may not like the fact that the team that you wanted to win or the team you bet money on ends up not having the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime, which sucks. It's unfortunate. But if you go back in the history of the National Football League, there were many really good teams that never possessed the ball in overtime and ended up losing a game. Uh, there were teams that ended up watching as their opponent went down the field and kicked the field goal and didn't get to possess the ball in overtime. So I, I look at it and I, unfortunate, think, unfortunately think that it's kind of pointless. To go out there and sit there and think you're going to rearrange and rediscover how the game of football is to be played. Because I, I don't, I, I feel from my heart of hearts that the game is equal on both sides. And you're going to choose in your own mind whether it's a team that you're rooting for or the team that you happen to pick on a given day. And you're going to devote yourself to them. And if, if they lose, especially if it's something close, if, especially if it's um, over not very much, we're going to play the second guess game and we're going to do everything that we possibly can to s explain why our favorite team that lost should have won. And listen, it's part of life. I don't think it's anything that we're really going to ch change over the course of time. Listen, this part of life. As one of these teams, one of these days, I'm really going to get this shit right. So, my point about this whole thing is, yes, we're going to hear whining, crying, bitching, complaints after every game. You know, now it's on, let's reinvent the way pro football is to be played. Now you say, hey, you want to go to the college rules, the way that things were... That things are set up where both teams get to possess the ball. I don't really think that's going to help anything. It's just going to it's going to make fans or people that are rooting for the team that end up winning sore because they're thinking if the game was played the way it used to be, their team would have won. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the other squad. Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, I got no dog in a fight. 
I wasn't happy that the Chiefs won. I wasn't pissed that the Chiefs won. I wasn't sad about the Bills. I wasn't, you know, root for the Bills to lose. But it brings me into my next point that I want to bring up. The popularity of the National Football League is on a level that I don't think we're even acknowledging right now. And you say, what is it that puts football on this unbelievable pedestal? And it's the fact that you don't have to have a dog in a fight to get yourself glued to the television or the internet or however it is that you're following the game. And no other sport's doing this right now. And you have to admit, and I'm willing to admit as a diehard baseball fan, baseball will forever be my sport. I literally set my time that I'm going to be off from my day job around the baseball schedule. So you're not going to talk to very few people that love baseball more than I do. That being said, football by a mile is the most popular sport. Outside of the diehard baseball fans and the fans of the teams that happen to be in the World Series, who's tuning into the World Series? Who's tuning into random playoff games between two teams that nobody has any interest or rooting faith in? That's a complete description of what you're seeing in the National Football League. Bills Chiefs, hey, listen, could have a dog in a fight. Bengals, Titans, Rams, 49ers, Bucks, Packers. All those teams, you could say, hey, I don't necessarily root for them, but I bet you if there's a setup where two of those teams are playing, you're probably glued to the television. You're probably glued to the ups and downs and the idiosyncrasies you see over the course of a game. Football has the ability to draw in fans that have initially no interest in a given game and give them interest in a given game. Now, certainly gambling, which you know we have normalized and made it as part of the sport, adds another dimension to it. You could place bets on it, and obviously you could tell people that are sore over the fact that their bet didn't go through or they lost the last leg of their eight-leg parlay. You know, gambling is always going to target the degenerate gamblers, no matter no matter how much you want to say, hey, gamble responsibly. <laughs> you know that the gamblers gambling as it's set up is targeting the degenerate gambler. But I digress from that. But football it has grown to a point where there really is no other sport that offers what the NFL does right now. Like I said, you could take any of the 32 teams, put them together against any opponent in a playoff game, and you're going to glue a lot of people to the television. You're going to have a lot of people that are not football fans watching. You're going to have a lot of football fans that root for other teams that are watching. Out of the millions and millions of people, which I'd like to see in a rating on CBS for for that uh, the Bills-Chiefs game, the fact that this, <laughs> this game ended up doing so well, out of the millions and millions of fans that watched it, how many of them did have a vested interest in the game? How many were Bills fans? How many were Chiefs fans? And how many were just NFL fans? And it's no disrespect to the fan bases of Buffalo or, or Kansas City. We know they're both very large. We know they both travel. We know they're both 
prominent throughout the country. You know, I know Bills fans, I know Chiefs fans that you know are in the, the local area around around where I'm at, and you do too. So it's not a knock against the Chiefs or the Bills, but I would bet you that more than 50% of the fans that were glued to the television this Sunday night watching this game had no vested interest in either one of the teams. And I'm not going to count those that bet on it. I'm not going to count those that you know put skin in the game by placing wagers, which you could legally do now. I'm talking about fans that root for whatever team. Yeah, you got Cowboys fans, Giants fans, even fans of other teams that were in the playoffs that are glued to the television watching these two football teams play in a game that, by the way, is not determining the championship of the league. What other sport can you do that? Sure. Listen, you know the NBA is is more about the individual. Like you got LeBron James against Steph Curry on an ABC game on a Sunday afternoon. Not not against the backdrop of any football. I think you're going to see a lot of people tune into that, but not as much as a playoff game in the NFL. And like I said, more than 50%, I would bet, of the millions and millions of fans that were glued into the television watching the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, we're not fans of either team. Tell me another sport that does that. And like I said, we're not even talking about the Super Bowl here. And we know the Super Bowl is pretty much on the precipice of becoming a national holiday. You know, there's there's more people that watch the Super Bowl that haven't seen another game all year. But you guarantee they're going to watch the Super Bowl because it's an event. It's a bringing together of people. You're not doing that for the Stanley Cup Finals, even in Game 7. You're not doing it for Game 7 of the World Series. You're not doing it for Game 7 of the NBA Finals. You're not doing it for the college football championship game. You're not doing it for the, the last game of the NCAA tournament. Might get a couple people together. Most people are saying, hey, if it's not my sport, it's not for me. Pro football in the United States is the only sport that brings non-fans of football into it. You know how many people watch football on a week, uh, week in and week out basis that probably don't like the sport? You know how many people watch the Super Bowl each year that can't stand any sort of organized sport? You know, they say, hey, organized sport is for fascists. Organized sport, oh man, you know, I'd rather do anything else than watch sports. But I promise you, you're probably watching the Super Bowl. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, you think of the difference between a Super Bowl contending team and a team that will probably win the Super Bowl. You look at the four teams that are left right now. Three of them have something in common. Three of them have star, legitimate, number one quarterbacks. And I continue to stand on this hill. And you might want to knock me off of it. And I'm totally here to listen to your point of view, your perspective. The importance of having a star game-changing quarterback basically was proven last night when you watch the Bills and the Chiefs. When you have a quarterback that's going to lead you down the field regardless. And you have a quarterback, yes, it's important to have balls. It's important to have the skills. But you combine the skills with the mental ability, which you look at a lot of the top all-time and star quarterbacks in the NFL all possess. And it's also 
the seldomness in which they make a mistake. I'm going to cite a couple things we saw this weekend. The Tennessee Titans set a record for the most sacks in a playoff game. Nine sacks against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. The result? Titans ended up losing. Joe Burrow, yes, threw a costly interception later on, which could ended up allowing Tennessee to tie the game and put Tennessee in a position where they could have won the game. But the quarterback that was not a star quarterback was Ryan Tannehill, and he threw three interceptions in a game. And you look at Tennessee in a way that they're set up this year. The defense improves by leaps and bounds over what it was last season. Uh, they have a great running game led by Derrick Henry. Now, listen, Derrick Henry missing nine games. He, he was a little rusty. It was hard to expect him to be King Henry and a guy that should have been the MVP last year. You had receivers. A.J. Brown, who was solid in the game. Julio Jones was created a, a diversion for the defense where you know you had to cover him at all times. Had a couple catches, but wasn't a major factor. You look at the Titans from the coaching standpoint. Really superiority from their head coach, their offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, who's kind of grown through the organization. You look at all these X factors, why you could have pointed to the Tennessee Titans, perhaps being a better team, perhaps having an opportunity to host the AFC title game next week, which you know it's going to be in Kansas City as they play the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the reason it didn't happen, I hate to say it because I don't want to put it on one person. I give credit for the coach for uh, kind of shielding some of the blame and passing it off of the quarterback. But if the Titans had a star, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, they're playing for the AFC Championship right now. If they had a Josh Allen and a Pat Mahomes, and you think of even quarterbacks that didn't make it, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Yes, those quarterbacks' teams lost. But you look at them and you understand that you have so many other boxes that you don't have to check off. If you are weak at the quarterback position, that means you have to be almost perfect in every other element of the football game. The coaching has to be spot on. The players, from a, from a defensive standpoint, you need to have a top defense. You need to have a great running game. You need to have... Um, top of the league type of players when it comes to receivers, offensive and defensive linemen. Your special teams, you can't afford to make any mistakes there. And certainly, you're not going to be able to win a game that yet commit more turnovers than your opposition. And a lot of these are basic things, but if you have a star quarterback, I think you could get away with a lot of the other deficiencies. And the question is, how many star quarterbacks exist in the National Football League? How many would you put on a certain level? It's a couple quarterbacks that you may not put in a certain in, in a certain level. I, I think of Dak Prescott. I think of Derek Carr. I don't think they get a lot of uh, you know love when it comes to saying, "Hey, top flight number one starting quarterback." I think Deshaun Watson is. Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl, gotten to the other, so I certainly put him on the list. Obviously, Mahomes and Allen and Rodgers and Brady. And then you think of how many other quarterbacks are on that level. And I say at least on a Carr-Prescott level. 
because you know you're going to hear discussion and listen, you could spend a whole off season talking about the Dallas Cowboys and what they should do and is the quarterback really the guy going forward? I think I think that's probably one of the easier questions to answer. I think the Cowboys have their quarterback. Question is, you know, are they going to enact any sort of discipline from their coaching staff perspective? Because they're not very fundamentally sound. They're not very disciplined. Some of that's on the coach. I think some of that's on the kind of players. You you notice players that are continuously making penalties. You see a reckless style of play that isn't changing over time. That seems to be getting worse. I think it's it's time to start evaluating those players. Now you want to say, hey, it's on the coach? Well, listen, if the coach looks you in the eye and says, hey, I don't give a shit about any of that, then maybe it's time for Jerry Jones to move on from the coach. Now, there has to be an answer to it. There has to be an answer to the Dallas Cowboys playing undisciplined football. There has to be an answer to the fact that Dak Prescott, as he's running down the field, which I don't have any issue with the play, where he, he ran down the field and slid. I just have an issue with the undisciplined element of not knowing what to do with the ball. Placing the ball on the ground, handing it to the ref, understanding that time was an issue. That, that That's something that could be corrected. I don't look at that and say that, hey, that's just a, a bad quarterback. Nelson, is Dak Prescott on the level of Mahomes and Allen. I mean, those are the two best in the sport. You know, Rodgers, who you got to see play a tough game in Lambeau Field. And by the way, I have to bring this up. You think of the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field and how you feel like it is an advantage for the Green Bay Packers. You know, they're a team that's from that area. They practice in that area. Their players are prepared for the most part to play in the worst of weather. Have you ever factored in whether it is the and obviously no pun intended when I use the word weather there, but whether it's best for Aaron Rodgers to play in those types of conditions? Seven and seven now in postseason games. Majority of them, if not all of them, played in Lambeau Field at home. And Aaron Rodgers, because he's Aaron Rodgers, should be able to win home playoff games. And if the question is why Are the Packers not winning home playoff games when you have Aaron freaking Rodgers as your quarterback? I've never heard this angle of how maybe Lambeau Field, maybe the cold weather doesn't bring out the best in Aaron Rodgers. And if you watch Tom Brady, obviously winning six Super Bowls with the New England Patriots, winning many, many bad weather games in the confines of Foxborough, Massachusetts, he, he never had much of an issue playing in cold weather, but off of his worst season, he moves, he goes to Tampa Bay, home games and great weather, Super Bowl played in Tampa Bay, seemed to bring out the best in him. And you wonder, as we certainly take time to contemplate whether this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' final NFL game, certainly maybe his final NFL game in Green Bay, would it behoove Aaron Rodgers to play his home games in a place that has better weather over the course of the season? Now it's hard. You know, you think of Florida and you know Jacksonville's probably got their quarterback. I'd be shocked if they're moving on from Trevor Lawrence, who listen is a rookie this year. It's hard to 
rank him as a top quarterback in the National Football League after one season. But I also think it's not a it's not a way to eliminate him after playing one year. He's been the best draft prospect as far as a quarterback since Andrew Luck. You know that he was inheriting or he's joining a team that was really one of the worst worst teams in the NFL that we've seen in a while. Jaguars got a lot of work. You could bring Urban Meyer in there, and he can't turn that team around. Urban Meyer, in fact, struggled so bad with that team that he, he, he was fired. He couldn't make it through the season. And the Jaguars got to do a better job of putting some pieces around Trevor Lawrence. And if you're talking about Trevor Lawrence as potentially being one of those guys, one of those star quarterbacks that I feel there's so few in the NFL, they got to do a better job of putting some better pieces around him. And Aaron Rodgers, whether he moves to somewhere in the south, somewhere where the weather may be a little bit better, imagine him playing his home games. And I hate to say it, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay might be a great landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. And he say, John, what the hell are you talking about? Tom Brady's giving you no signs that he's leaving. He might not. And it's hard to believe that Tom Brady would walk away after coming that short, still playing at the top of his game. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't lose anything outside of the game. His abilities have not digressed. He has still got to be considered top three, top four, top five at the very least when you're talking about quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. No accomplishments aside, who would you rather have at the helm of your team? So I'd be shocked if Brady walked away, but if you think if Brady walks away at Aaron Rodgers in Tampa Bay next year, would that be that crazy? Aaron Rodgers in New Orleans with Sean Payton? Aaron Rodgers potentially in Houston with whoever they decide is going to be their next head coach? You, know, you think of the position, and I don't think there is any more important position, not only in the NFL, but in all of sports when it comes to your quarterback. And I made a couple statements this week, and I had some good back and forth. I respect everybody that reached out, even those that were not taking my point whatsoever. But when it comes down to it, I compare the quarterback position in the NFL when it comes to stars to non-stars to Major League Baseball when we're talking about large market teams and small market teams. And it's for that reason that I just said. If you have a great quarterback... You don't have to necessarily do all these other things great to be a top team in the National Football League. If you have a high payroll in Major League Baseball, it makes up for a lot of the mistakes and shortcomings you could have as an organization. Now, does it mean that you're going to succeed if you have a great quarterback? No. Look at how many great quarterbacks never won anything. You know, Look at the likes of Dan Marino and how dominant he was as a National Football League quarterback. And the fact that he made the Super Bowl his, what, his first year, never made it back there, still dominated the sport over the course of his career, well, there was a lot of other things that weren't working. And Dan Marino couldn't single-handedly bring his team to the promised land. No knock on him. Still an all-time great. But you know, I, I see a very good comparison. Large market team in baseball, small market team in baseball. 
If you have a large market, that means your payroll is going to be high. It means you're going to have more flexibility. You're going to have more money to throw away if something doesn't work out. A player sucks, you go out there and you get another one. Small market team, listen, means you have to be very analytically sound. You have to have a very good game plan. You have to have a very good system of rotating players in and out. You have to have very good scouting to make sure that a lot of the players that may never make the big bucks, that the big-time players make in Major League Baseball, uh, do their job. They may have less responsibilities, but if they all do their job well, it's it's more of a things on a chain. And you got the you can't have a chink in a chain. You can't have a kink in a chain. You have to have everything working and flowing and moving all in the same direction. If you have a large market team in baseball, you could have an ego. You could have a Reggie Jackson. You could have a Goose Gossage, a Thurman Munson. And because their talent is so great, you just need them to perform. You don't need them to be perfect. You don't need them to be in unison with management. You don't need them to be on the same page as everybody else on the team. You know, the Rams, Matt Stafford, who, by the way, is certainly in the conversation now when you're talking about top quarterbacks in the NFL. And if there was anybody, and I think Joe Burrow did a good job, even though they could have lost that game. Certainly the Rams up 27-3 to when it came to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looked like they were going to lose that game. They ended up getting downfield, kicking a field goal as time expires. And they earned it. Matt Stafford's won two playoff games now. I think he has uh, validated the trade from the Detroit Lions when they sent Jared Goff and some draft picks over to Detroit. Does Matt Stafford have to get to the Super Bowl? No, I think he's validated himself. He's won two playoff games. Now you're looking at one on a road. Um, the first one was at home, you know, against Arizona. Second one, of course, you know, yesterday in Tampa Bay. He's got a home playoff game for the NFC Championship game, and if they happen to win that. Guess what? The Rams will be the second team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl. Second team in a row to host the Super Bowl after New England last year. But to close the point about the the importance of having a great quarterback in the NFL, if you don't, you got to play flawless. Turnovers can't be an issue. You know, if Ryan Tannehill is your game manager, you can't have him throw three interceptions. Matt Stafford could get away with some interceptions. Justin Herbert could get away with some interceptions. Even though you didn't see it, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, if they threw an interception or two, their talent could erase those mistakes. Ryan Tannehill's talent cannot. He's got to play a flawless game because he's not Josh Allen. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not Brady, Rodgers, Stafford, Herbert, Deshaun Watson even. Dak, Derek Carr, and I probably won't go any further than that. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that could be on their way. But if you're not a quarterback like that, you got to be flawless on the football field. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. For another edition of the PBS, God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.